speak to the people of Israel. You may be seated. <clears throat> we have a triune God, and uh, one of the easiest ways for pastors to become Pharisaic and um, bring falsity within this church is always to say you need to have a relationship with God. But none of them tell you or most of them won't tell you how. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of pastors who speak that you need to have a relationship with God. But how many of them tell you how? It's more complex than it looks because there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. And this Trinity is triune. And as we know the Father, he declares to us that my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your As far as heaven is from the earth, so much higher are my thoughts than your thoughts. I hope you're not feeling encouraged by those type of statements. Uh, you, you should feel very discouraged. And he, uh, he begins to relate to us. How? The question is how. How does the Father relate to us? Well, by God's grace, he is showing how he relates through Moses to an entire people group. And we have come to a very important place. Why, you know, most people will say, well, why did you choose to preach on Exodus 19 when Exodus 20th is? The Ten Commandments, right? Such an important aspect. Well, things begin with God. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Everything that happens in between is very important and great. But ultimately, the reason why you need to have a relationship with him, and if you don't have it now, you will not end up in his very presence. Because the last stop is the most important. Where you end up. God doesn't care so much how you begin. But it's very important how we finish. And this is what's happening here. You see this father who says, my ways are not your ways. And he is speaking about those things to the Israelites. And it's mirrored in Jesus. Have you noticed that Israel 
the Israelites, the slaves, the Egyptians, nobody complained that their sons weren't struck as they put the blood on their doorpost. How come they didn't complain back then? You know, this is a ticket to have the largest church. Tell people God loves you and he died for you. And Jesus is a savior. Would you like to receive Jesus as your savior? And this is a, you know, close to three million church that's left Egypt. Egypt is the physical representation of the spiritual church. Now, the same problem that we have began to read after all those miracles, after the sacrificial lamb in this journey, is the same thing that Jesus shows us. And unfortunately for me as a pastor, I see it all the time. People love to tell them that God loves them so much and he died for them. But don't tell them that Jesus has to be Lord over their life. They love Jesus as a Savior. They don't like Jesus as Lord. Now, let me, let me say this. If you've just, and we haven't gone that far. They had no issue, no complaint about the Lamb, right? The Passover. But if you're to narrow down and to exclude everything, they have a problem that God is directing and his ways don't agree with our ways. So what happens? We're all not too well because when I begin to grumble and I complain a voice that I know very well, I hate it very much. As I'm complaining, uh, the spirit moves me that I hate it very much. Now, on the flip side, it's the work of the spirit. The work of the spirit is twofold. We have the father, his ways are not his ways. We have the son, the salvific message, the blood that covers us. But then there's that inner work of his lordship. That requires a journey for us to surrender and lift up a throne where he sits on the throne of our life. And the Spirit is the same way. The Spirit comes and seals us for our journey. That it's outside of us where Jesus is preparing place, finishing in the presence of the Father, equipping us with fruits within us so we can begin to be aligned with the ways of God. And, he, and then our minds get to be renewed by our surrender and our transformation from the things of the flesh and of this world. So there's a work of the Holy Spirit within us and an anointing upon us with what he does in the world. So we see this duality with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit all working together as one. 
And it's very important that we begin to understand because we have come to the last day of a camping trip. Any of you have liked to go camping? By now, this has been a tumultuous hike and camping. It will no longer be this way from this moment onwards. This is the last moment when they now enter into now the 40-year wandering in the wilderness. So let's begin. <clears throat> it took them three months to get here. And um, they came on the third new moon. After the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day came into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, there's some problem with Sinai or Mount Horeb. As you see Egypt and Philistia, and then there's the Sinai Peninsula uh, covered this way. I don't believe this is in that Sinai, and there's arguments about it, but it's actually in Median to the, to the east across where this Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, if you were to venture to guess, where are they exactly? Exactly by Bible standards. It is where Moses met the burning bush. This is where Moses met the burning bush. This is where they have come. The journey is to go where? Approach the presence of God. Now, I wonder if the condition of a church is related to the people who attend that church and their relationship with God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit into the way that they come to relate to the presence and to hear him speak. Imagine if that was the reality and expectation of everyone who showed up to church. And that was their reality. Hmm. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Call to him out of the mountain, saying, Who's calling to Moses? The Lord. Can the people hear him? This is, a, this is a question. Can the people hear God calling out Moses? Why not? Excuse me? They don't. He has been present. The clouds has been over them. The pillar of fire. You know, they... Well... Ed, you, you're right. Maybe they don't have a relationship with him. 
but they're in a sort of a relationship, whether they like it or not. Let's put it this way. They have knowledge about him. You can't deny that. I mean, even the Pharaoh declared, Yahweh Elohim is Lord and God. And now he's chasing them to kill them, right? He was chasing them to kill them. So you can see our ways and our... But there's an approach here to a reality that there's a drawing to God, but it's not the same. Do you think without that inner journey of your life, without that transformation that the Holy Spirit does within you, is there that drawing? Is there that drawing when you come to church to interact with Almighty God, to hear Him, to have spiritual transactions, to see Him move, to see Him exalted? Or... Are we like, you know, the blood was outside the door. Let's talk about God, you know. And this is what they'll do. No, we don't like how the mountain is shaking. And, you know, he told us we're going to die if we're not careful. So you go, Moses. We'll stay behind. And we're going to talk about God here. And while you're gone, we're going to talk so much, we're going to make a golden calf, by the way, too. This is not funny. This Don't think this doesn't happen today in churches. So this is the journey. And the Lord says, I could have yelled this out loud. But he says, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. Please notice the interchange because you guys have asked and we've talked on Wednesday nights about Israel versus Jacob. And that's interchangeable, but it has some specific meaning of why God's using it. The house of Jacob. Why is he saying the house of Jacob now? This is 430 years God, God is already letting us know it is because of my covenant with Jacob. I'm not talking really to Israel right now. Israel isn't really formed yet. But I'm doing this because I do have a covenant with Jacob. I will keep my covenant and my word. And there's a sort of an affection in his voice as you can hear the Lord here. Say, you shall say to the house of Jacob, there's, there's, there's love that comes from our father. And tell the people of Israel. Now, the second part, why is it differentiated and why is it only one? Could it be that there's two types of people in this camp? Some, they will make it to the promised land, and some, they will, they will not. You yourselves 
have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is something that it's not new. Before God gives us something or will tell us to do something, he will always remind us of what he did for us. What is God about to give them? The law. Now, I know you say, well, don't think like a mathematician. I, I hate to do this. Adam and Eve, in a good place that God declared good, could not uphold one commandment. What is God thinking in this environment giving them ten? I'm like, man, it just doesn't make sense to my mind. They couldn't uphold one in a good place. Now we're in a fallen place. We're degraded. We're chained to sin. And God gives us ten commandments. Okay. I want to say good luck with that. We failed with one. Before he gives us something. But we know. That he's telling us. This is what I'm doing. This is what I have done. And this is what he's going to say. What he's going to do. And what he's been doing. And today we're going to focus on. What he's been doing. What, what has God really. What the father has been doing. How has he been relating? How is this relationship going? And he is fully involved. And as you can tell, as we will read into it, the people are completely oblivious to it. Before he gives us the law, he tells us what he has done for us. And his heart is... To have a relationship with us. He is going to do what? Talk to them. He brought them there to talk to them and to reveal himself to them. And the people rejected him. Fear. Fear is one of them. I don't want to say more. I don't think any of you would not say that you know what fear can do to a person. You have seen yourself what I did to the Egyptians. Was what God did to the Egyptians good? But what about the Egyptians who did obey very few but some did some left with them what I have done to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself where are they now At the mountain towards himself. Now, 
If you go about your week and you come here and you have not realized that God has been carrying you through life on his wings and how fray your life is when the Holy Spirit tells us, your life is but a vapor. A moment here and the next one, a couple of breaths away, one breath away. If you have not gone through the, wing, through the week and the Lord's carrying you on his wings, do you think you'll have a blessed time when you come in his presence on Sunday? Without that reality to bring that to church. Hmm. And it is all based on if you have a relationship or if you're not, if you don't. You can say, I have knowledge about God and I continue to seek knowledge, but do I have that relationship with God? Where they, I can testify. Because you know what happens? When people do that at church, they begin to say, yeah, this is how the Lord was flattering when this was happening. There was a stronger wind. This way came my way. And this is how the Lord carried me. This would be the type of language and conversations that would happen in an environment like that. People who are devoid of a relationship, they will begin to seek more and more information, new information. Let's go to the ones who know Hebrew more so we can get their perspective and Greek more and that idea and that idea because I feel better about myself gaining more information. To do what? To replace relationship? No matter how much the FBI gets information on you, all your data, it doesn't mean they know you. Can we turn churches that way? Well, some people have been in church their whole life and they're still seeking stuff like that. Not realizing that you meet with God today, you're blessed. It's your last day even if it is. What a better place. Because this is your final place. And when people come here, they'll know that because you love God. And you know that that's your last stop. And they'll know by how much you love to come here. Because out of your relationship, when you know where you're ending. And they'll see it in how you pray, in how you worship, in how you're free and liberated. And how he's moved you to, towards that. But when you're here and you're like, oh, this is boring. I don't like that song. I, I, maybe I can get a nap and I'll be fresh for the football game later today. I'm wondering what I'm going to have for lunch because I'm getting hungry. Do you think that's any different than the people down there in the camp? No. You know... I would have to turn to Deuteronomy since it says here, 
Now he turns from the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings. Listen to Deuteronomy 32, beginning with verse 9. But the Lord's portion is his people. Not this great, amazing creation, not galaxies, but his people. Jacob, he's loaded. He found him in a desert land. How did God find us? Perfect? Good with his ways? No. Same way with us as he found, uh, you know, Jacob. And in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Uh, you know, the apple of his eye, we don't really understand that. But it really means your pupil. And you know the eyelid? That's your fastest reflex that we have as human beings. You know, some people claim that it's one thousandth of a thousand, uh, one thousand of a second. And I can tell you, I can testify that's true. I practice myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you know that. Uh, but, uh, but this is what the Lord is speaking to us. You know, the apple of his eye, he kept him. Now, can you tell me that these people have a relationship with God? So, Ed, you are right. God, this is what God is saying about them. Start reading prior to this and see how blessed they are and how thankful they are that this is happening. As an eagle stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wing, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, and the Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. And that's why we have to step here, because throughout scriptures, this will constantly be a picture of how God deals with his people. And it's no different today. Now, if you were from the Middle East, you know right away that eagles, those eagles that they're talking about, they go to the highest places, rocks or the tallest trees, and, but it's mostly rocks because they want the highest place. And most people think it's because of safety for its young. And that is true, but it's not entirely true. As the eagle forms a nest, there's an in-string string part of how the nest is formed. From place to place, these eagles will begin to place branches. They are turned around and the sharpest part is moving inward. So while they're building now and strong, they have all the spikes going in. You say, well, why go all the way up there for safety when if you land too fast on this, it can stab the bird and die? Interesting design that God is using with his people. So as, what I, I don't know, even know how, what to call, eaglet? Is that a small eagle? Eaglet? 
as uh, the baby eaglet begins to grow and you know the mamas and the daddies bringing food and you know they get fat and they, their girth expands you know after a couple of months it's not so comfortable all poke here and he starts crying and complaining and and you know what that's a sign when the eagle begins to complain and you know flutter and be upset and it's a sign the mama comes in and not only does she not care about the complaining do you know what the mama does she takes the net nest and flips it over and this quacking yelling you know, blabbering, Yanka uh, is flattering, he falls down and he's struggling. And, and there she puts the nest back and dives. And before he's about to crash, catches him or goes right below him and brings him back up. And all this episode, the, this eaglet is like, you know, now afraid in there, he's like, okay, I'm not going to move that much because I get poked and I don't like it. This is the eaglet learning. And guess what? A couple of days after he's forgetting the incident, he goes again. And the mama does the same thing again. And he's complaining worse. And, but surely enough, she won't let him crash. Do we still have Israel today? Has God let it crash completely? Do you think God will let us crash completely? But have we had instances where we're about to crash? And then guess what happens two days later, a day later, the same thing. And this chick is getting bigger and fatter and it has to happen more often because you know what happens? If they get too fat, there's a problem. So he's complaining, the eaglet, and you know, kind of like the Monday night group here at our church. Oh, we don't have a Monday night group. You know, they're complaining and bickering and, you know, maybe he's even swearing if he's not a Christian about the spokings. And after a while, when he's so exhausted of complaining and fighting this, he just relaxes and as he extends his wings, he catches a puff of air. He's like, hey, hey. And now he's lifted and he's soaring. And he just become an eagle from an eaglet. You see all those eagles frantically, you know, cursing and complaining and gossiping and flattering. And they're going towards their death. And God comes and picks them up. And they do it over and over again. In their shallow state of not graduating to maturity. 
Because you know what happens if you keep feeding that piglet, that eaglet? It'll get so heavy, they won't be able to fly and they'll need to die. Imagine to you if you only ate and you didn't have to go to the bathroom. Imagine if you only came to church to learn and you didn't go out. What you're doing to yourself spiritually. Imagine that reality. So this eagle now is soaring. And the Lord saying, this is what I'm doing to you. I'm teaching you how to fly. How to soar. How to live. And I bore you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You didn't come here because you came on your own or you deserved it. It's because I carried you, God says. And I brought you to myself. So now, why are you at church? Because God brought you to himself. Because he wants you to do what? To relate to him. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment. This is the problem. Can't I just put the blood on my doorpost and be done with it? And just live my life and magically appear in the promised land. The lordship part is the problem. But notice how that's consistent in the Old Testament too. It says, now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasure possessions among all the peoples. I thought they were completely done because they put the blood on the doorpost. Shouldn't we chop down the gospel and only preach the salvation message of Jesus? People like that better. But they like it. We can have more people in this church. Well, that's not reality. Even here you see that if you will indeed obey my voice. Doesn't this speak lordship to you? And keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possessions among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, you know what happens? You won't believe how many people, how many people have ideas. And a lot of people think that they're pretty smart and they are. Have you guys noticed that God never asks us for our input or our ideas? I wonder why not. Did you ever wonder about that? 
Why doesn't God ask us for our opinions and ideas? You know what? He doesn't even ask for the government's idea. Or for the countries, or for the whatever the society says. He, he doesn't care. I mean, I shouldn't say he doesn't care, but he doesn't ask for that. Amen. There's not even room for it there. But I have a lot of people with a lot of ideas in this church, let me tell you. I have a lot of smart people in the church. Yeah. If you're going through one of those periods, and let me tell you, you will. You will. If you're walking with the Lord from time to time, you'll take nosedives. And you'll be whacking and squacking and gossiping and talking and flipping and doing all whatever it takes. And there'll be periods when God will do that to you. Towards your own benefit. Those whom he loves, he disciplines and uh, expect it to happen. And not only once in your life. Not only once. What does the Lord say? Isaiah 40. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men fall exhausted but they who wait for the Lord. The youth, the flutters, right? Remember this chick? I mean, until it gets to exhaustion, to the point of like, okay, I can't fly, I'm falling again, I'm mad, and nothing seems to happen. You know, I shared the gospel 30 times with my neighbor. Guess what? I'm going to go tomorrow again, the 31st day, and share with him whether he likes it or not again. And you know what? They even feel good about it. Because they've done it. The Lord says, I am the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may bring the harvest in. Well, you know, I did pass out, which is not bad. Tracts and Bibles. Yeah. I did do it. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This is the same passage. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Do you know what happens with the church that runs and sees no fruit? They get unweary. There's no more joy. Bickering starts, complaining. They talk about things of the world. They forget that they came to church to meet God. And now they have discussions about vaccines, about whatever it may be. The next thing I know, it's like, has that person been soaring with the Lord this week? Did he come here to meet with him? Is he acting as a priest for the world? 
literally to be a priest has two simple definitions. To be before God on behalf of people. And to be before people on behalf of God. And there's more to that, but this is the basic idea. Be before God on behalf of people. Be before people on behalf of God. This is how you'll begin to soar. Not tell me what to do. Oh, I need to do that. Learn to be with the Lord. The hardest part is not to share the gospel. That's the easiest way. Pastor Track shared the gospel three minutes and I'm done. Hey, I, I, I shared the gospel with 20 people today. To enter into a relationship and to be bored by this pe- person's, uh, uh, you know, troubles and conversations and wait for the Holy Spirit to prompt you when you need to plant a seed and if not, to even share the gospel. And then take them by the hand and walk with them with the Lord and show them how they need to fall and help them realize that the Lord is catching them and, and so forth. Weary people, weary churches creating environment of toxicity, homes of toxicity, ministries of toxicity, but the Lord will catch us on his wings. If this is what the Lord's saying, do you think the people in the camp knew this? I don't want to go. I don't want to meet the guy who's been carrying me on his wings and catching me. No, you go, Moses. We'll be fine down here. What is humanity's natural inclination? Not to follow. That's why the Lord said, follow me. Now you'll be blessed to see that from three million who bicker, by the time that we get to the promised land, there's only 40,000. But you will be shocked of the lack of complaining and the way they now follow Joshua. You will be shocked what happens. From the same group. Those are the chicks. They didn't get too fat. And they fell down to their own death. The ones who began to soar. I guess the Lord didn't need an army of three million people. Now, before we end, since we don't have time, I put, I jotted down three things. I was going to preach on the whole thing, but I said, I got to do this since the Lord put it on my heart. Three things before you come to meet him. Get clean. Spend time with God before you come to church. 
Watch your step. His glory, beauty, and holiness is dangerous to you and I. There's a reason why God put barriers and restrictions on the mountain. It is for our own good. Understand who God is. Be in prayer and in the word even prior to coming to church. And you'll begin to have a different experience at church. Those are three things that have not died. They're still present today for us with God's word. And we only got through a couple of verses. There's a lot more in this chapter. But it is very important because your journey began in the heart of God. And our journey ultimately is to end in his very presence. How will we get there if that is not a reality of our life when we come to worship him at church? Remember what God says. He loves you. Whether you know it or not, he carries you on his wings. Do you need a relationship with the Lord? Should pastors still be hypocrites and tell you you need to have a relationship with the Lord? We're on this journey for the Lordship of Christ to take root. And for us in our seasons to grow as his design is this way towards us because he loves us. Because we are his portion. So there's an altar here. And everything that you see here on the stage should be Christ-centered, God-centered, and should be only a message about him. And there's an altar that you need to experience as you come to the Lord in the church and interact as you raise your prayers and your heart and not just a monotone voice. As we looked on Wednesday evenings, there's only one passage in scriptures that tells us how Jesus prayed in Hebrews. How did he pray? Do you remember? Vehement tears with loud cries and petitions. That doesn't sound like this quiet Jesus that we have an idea, a false idea of in his prayer, not even moving an inch. That's how we need to be involved. That is the heart of God for you and I. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, there's so much about our lives that uh, ignores your design, does not feel your wings, does not realize 
what you're doing for us. But Lord, today, we have come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way and who has said to us that I'm going to a place to prepare for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. And today, Lord, we once again release ourselves to your design, to what you're doing. For, Lord, I know that only you can carry us there. You, you're the only one who can carry us home. As the hymn will roll, Lord, I'll fly away. That person knew what it meant for the eagle to carry us. And Lord, we need you to carry us. And Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, we need you to do the work inside of us. To create an environment, Lord, that it's holy, that it's beautiful. That honors you today. Thank you for your love, Lord, and for your heart that doesn't want me to die, but wants to bring me home. So I exalt you, Father, and I praise you, and I worship you, and I cry to you, Abba, for you are calling us home, and one day we'll see your glory. You'll be praised forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to throw a little kink in the system. Josh, you're going to pull up how he loves out of the directory. So he 